Hey everybody, welcome to CookPod, the podcast that only your mother could love, and she does. I'm Peter Barrett. This week my guest is Mary Giuliani, caterer to the stars and author of a new memoir called Tiny Hot Dogs, which comes out in just a week or two. So it's available for pre-order on You Know Who, or more appropriately, via your local independently owned and operated small town bookstore. We had a good talk. Uh, she's really funny and smart and talented, and uh, I think you will enjoy listening to what she has to say. She can be found at MaryGiuliani.com or Mary underscore Giuliani on Instagram. So here's the two of us at my dining room table talking about how one goes from being an aspiring actress to caterer to bold face big-time movie stars in a remarkably short period of time. Are you, so, you know, actually related to the former mayor? I am a, I am a married to, I have to clarify, I actually yeah. have a sweater that reads, it's Mary, not Mayor. Yeah, I saw that in your book. Um, because I married, almost 20 years ago, mm-hmm. one of his cousins. Oh, uh, okay. And in 20 years, I have been in the presence of Rudy twice. Yeah. Yeah. If we saw each other on the street, we wouldn't know each other. He wouldn't know who I was. Right. And politically, let's put it this way: I've never catered a party for him. Get it? I got it. I got it. No, no. I mean, it's yeah, I was, but, I was, um, uh, but it's it's unfortunate because my name is Mary Giuliani, and so like when I meet people very quickly, I say, "Hi, I'm Mary Giuliani." They're like, "Did you just say Mayor Giuliani?" Yeah, right. And my poor waiters, three hundred nights a year at parties, they're you know being asked, "Who's the caterer? This food's really good, and it's crowded, and it's loud." Mary Giuliani Catering. Mayor Giuliani has a catering company? Over and over and over every night. Constant, constant. Anyway, so. That's funny. Well, so no, unfortunately, there won't be any breaking political gossip today. No, no breaking political gossip other than I can't wait for this administration to pack up and leave. Um, And, uh, but in Woodstock, the, this is, you know, it's actually now we're laughing because you have to. Our last name is Giuliani and my husband's business partner's last name Halliburton. Really? Yes. Awesome. No relation. Oh, that's fantastic. Zero relation. So when do you start fracking on the so town green? literally, <laughs> the Giuliani Halliburtons, led by Rachel Marco Havens, are ruining our town. Like, we couldn't, all the four of us couldn't be. We're just two couples that are hippie-loving. Like, it was our last name. Yeah. But it's changing. Name. I mean, yeah. the town, I mean, think about it now. Uh, we now have a whole bunch of new bars and restaurants. There's actually a nightlife in town again. Yep. We have um, Uber and Lyft up here now, I know, so you can. Which is really gonna. So people yeah. aren't gonna drive drunk. Which exactly. Because that's what brought down all the bars last time. I know. People and so, so it's you know it's kind of Woodstock 2.0 is. It's more crowded. I try not to go through it on weekends. I know. I but, know. Uh, but that's good because yeah. I know, like I know a lot of people who own these businesses, yeah. and they they do much better. Yeah. With, with people around them. Like, you gotta have it. Exactly. You gotta have it. So, yeah. um, I'm, you know, generally, as long as it's sort of, as long as it's managed properly and resources aren't depleted, you know, right. like the water supply or whatever. Right. I think it's it's essential. Otherwise, you know, we're so lucky to have, I mean, it's honestly the most famous small town in America by name. I know. And, and the fact that people are starting to finally leverage that into things that don't just sell tie-dyed t-shirts and bongs right. to tourists. Right. Who don't even know that the festival took place like 60 miles away. No, not at all. I mean, people, we've gotten so many calls for this upcoming 50th. Um, We want to book the whole block room. How many rooms can we get? And we're like, you're welcome to do that. The concert's going to be at least four to five hours away from here. It's going to be up at Watkins Glen, I think. Yeah, that's the new plan. Yeah, that's the new plan. So I I was really... uh, well, I'm, I'm I'm excited to hear that uh, that that's you behind those because we've we've given Shinding a lot of business. Oh, cool! I, thank that, you. I've driven by the hotel and it thank looks really you. pretty. Thank you. Yeah, and please come now, and we'll give you a whole. I'd yeah, love to show the, you the rooms sure. and show you the, the whole thought Absolutely. process behind. No, it's exciting. It's exciting, crazy. and and um, I know Kingston's definitely having the same situation. Yeah. We're finally putting in some rooms that people yep. will come and stay, in, and then all the restaurants are going to do so uh, yeah. much better because of that. Yeah. So I was really tickled to read that when you were young, you desperately wanted to be Jewish because mm-hmm. when I was the same age, I was obsessed with all things Italian. Really? Yeah. Yep. And so my mom's side of the family was Eastern European Jews. My dad is from England. But yeah. um, 
I was thinking as I read um, that piece of it, of the time, my mom had a big garden, so you mm -hmm. can see where I got it. Mm -hmm. But I became obsessed with the idea of making a whole winter's worth of tomato sauce in the yeah. fall. But I didn't know what I was doing. Right. This was pre-internet. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I sort of had, I mean, I ended up being a good cook because I just, the same way yeah. you learn to speak languages, I would right. ju jump first and figure just it out jump later. Jump in, yep. And, um, and so I, you know, we picked a whole bunch of tomatoes and she bought some other stuff that we didn't have maybe. And I, you know, I just like threw it in the pot and she kind of gave me a little guidance. But, yeah. And it would have been great except that I put in so many like green peppers. <laughs> Oh. And so it was like almost a really good tomato sauce, except and that it, then the it just peppers. had that green bell pepper thing. Yeah. And it just ruined the entire oh. giant pot. Yeah. But I couldn't throw it out. No. So I froze it all. Uh -huh. And then all winter long, I would like make pasta. And I'd be the first bite, you were like, oh, it's... And then all of a sudden, the green pepper thing would come in. and it would But just it be, was yours. But it was mine. But it was yours. And you had, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Peppers my first... That was my first, I can do this without a recipe experience. Yeah. I learned how to cook. Um, my grandparents learned lived we were very Italian my grandparents lived in my basement mm -hmm. that's how Italian we were yeah and we cooked all day on Saturdays my mom cooked every dinner every single night she had Fridays off right um, and we on Saturdays would cook all day for Sunday and cooking meant the shopping and going with my grandfather to the markets in Brooklyn and he had his his um, produce guy and he had his meat guy and yeah. um, I remember his meat guy once reached into his hand and gave my sister and I gold crucifix necklaces that he kept in his pocket. I mean, it was like wow. that kind of thing. And this was in Manhattan, right? This was actually in Long Island. Long Island, um, okay. My whole family's from Queens oh, right, and then okay. the year I was born, 1975, my parents moved from Queens to Great Neck, Long Island, okay. which at the time was a predominantly and still is. Jewish um, neighborhood, right? And we were not just Italians; we were like real Italians. You were gold I made a joke. We were gold crucifix. Ne we went yeah. to church on Sundays. My I joke in the book: my father had a mustache, as did my sister and I. <laughs> and and um, but this ritual was like family came first, and and we cooked on Saturday for Sundays. And my grandfather used to fry the meatballs with me, and and and. That, that, all that good, yummy stuff. And my mom also cooking every night in the kitchen. Yeah. I would sit and do my homework while talking to her while she was cooking. And that was her stage. And that's where she would impart all of her wisdom to me. Mm -hmm. I never remember her being like, come here, this is how you make a beef stew. Right. I just remember being around it so often just, and being I in can, front of her. Yeah, I just internalized it. I knew how to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I fought being a, have a food career that was not what I wanted to be I didn't even well barely, you were going to be a movie star I was going to be a movie star right Gilda Radner specifically yeah. I was going to be on SNL that was it like I religiously watched that show and there was a lot of stuff going on in my house my grandmother had Alzheimer's disease mm. there was you know the, the things that happen in New York all your lovely perfect but dysfunctional homes and comedy and humor was where I found my yeah. people and that's like where I wanted to be and the city twinkled 20 miles from our door in Long Island, and I knew someday I'd get there, and I knew somebody, and it was going to be comedy. Um, so food, and I have a chapter about it too, that I'm not necessarily a huge foodie. Right. Because um, I had a very, like, Yeah, you talk a lot palette. about, I mean, apart from the title of the book, you talk a lot about um, real just kind of comfort food. Yeah. Almost, you know, like the heavily sort of the junk food end of the spectrum, the poor student diet that the you described. The poor student diet, the nostalgia. Because for, for me, it was all, it's the food is love thing. And yeah. I like things, and I, I was true to my food voice when I finally found it by saying, I'm not going to serve things or sell things that I don't even eat myself. Right. Not that we don't have those on our menus because thankfully I have partners that actually do eat good food. Right. Um, but for me, when I kicked off, I wanted to serve things that were authentic to the things that I love, that had a story. I love foods that have a story or a smell that brings you back. And to me, it was always nostalgia and always like that happy, playful childhood place. Yeah. That we're told we have to leave at a certain age. Don't order off the kids' menu anymore. Right, right, right. And I don't believe that. I think that you could... Um, yeah, because you know, a lot of what you talk about pretty much is the kids' yeah, menu. Yeah, it's the kids' menu. Right. It's the hot dogs <laughs> and the grilled cheese. I got very that. fancy people to eat the kids' menu and make it okay. I yeah. think that was... that's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I died tomorrow, maybe that's what they would say. <laughs> <laughs> and so how did yeah. that... 
um, you know, because I, I, I read the sort of trajectory yeah, of your business yeah. and all those fortuitous encounters that you had. And, and um, I mean, I love the fact that you were cleaning up after the storm in Phoenicia and yeah. just accidentally met Ina Garten's mom yeah, uh, and we, helped clean out her house. Well, you know? sort of, yes. Um, I had met Ina um, at a do- catering an event for someone out in Montauk, actually, on the, and I speak about this very frankly in the book, too, on a day I was having a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Um, I struggled to get pregnant for many years. And I'm going out to this party to do this party, and I find out that I've been doing IVF treatments, and I mm-hmm. found out that, like, no bueno, wasn't going to work yeah. that day. And I was like, all right, well, i got to work. Right. So I get to the party, and I start training up hors d'oeuvres. And I'm sad, and I'm thinking, you know, yeah. woe is me, and I'm destined my whole life to be the girl who just serves the crab cakes childless and sad. And I'm watching all these people at this beautiful home on the ocean in Montauk and and this gaze comes in and I think it's a mirage but it's Ina and Jeffrey Uh and they come into the kitchen and she really enjoyed it was a um, buffalo uh, no no it was the watercress or the pepper ah she get this right it was either the buffalo chicken mini grilled cheese that we were doing Uh or it was this watercress apricot um, pepper jack thing that I kind of played with and yeah. I thought was brilliant and lovely and so it was either one of those two so she complimented the the, the food and then also the whimsical tray display that we're mm-hmm. kind of known for and I was sort of just blown away that she would even take the time to leave the party and come in honestly 12 minutes later Martha Stewart was at the same party hmm. and walked in and was fine and lovely but it wasn't that connection that I had yeah. with Ina um so then, a couple months later, the hurricane happens up here, right. and Phoenicia gets devastated. Completely, yeah. And we go into this home, and I'm trying to. We, my husband and I are just volunteering to just help these people. Not even save their house; their house was gone. Mm-hmm. Saves keepsakes, diplomas, pictures, sure. yeah, anything. Yeah. And I, of course, find this green tin recipe box. Mm-hmm. The with the one, index cards. With the yeah. index cards, with the beautiful grandmother handwriting. Mm-hmm. That's like a lost art. I don't think anyone writes like that no. anymore. And I grabbed it and took the mud and, and I brought it to the host of the house. And I said, we, I think we could save this if we put it in the sun. It could dry out. And she said, thank you so much because my my daughter, these were my, grandma, these were my mother's recipes. Mm-hmm. And my daughter works in food television. And I really wanted to pass these on to her. Mm. So I said, well, then that'll be saved. A month later, I'm in the Barefoot Contessa's kitchen to shoot my episode. And there's this lovely woman, the, her, the producer, greets me at the door, sits down, we start talking. And it turns out that her mother was the woman whose recipe Oh, it was box. her mother. It was her the mother, the producer. Mother. Okay. But we find this out right before I go into shoot with Ina, who was as lovely... And as genuine and uh, as you one would imagine, yeah. you know, she's well, the real it, deal. It comes through. She's the real deal. I mean, that's her life. That's who she is. She didn't set off to start a brand. She didn't set off to be Ina Garten. Right. right. She she just is the real deal. And yeah. Super kind and little things like she gave me lavender lotion because I was nervous and she pulled out a drawer and put lavender lotion on my hands and said, "Don't worry, we could do as many takes." I still get nervous too. Mm-hmm. She was it was beautiful. But then I, I walk out in the, one of the best parts of the day as if it could get any better. Um, as I was leaving the producer came over to me. She said, "While you were shooting, I emailed my mom and she sent me this and it was a picture of me covered in mud holding the recipe box from oh, that that's day." That's great. That's so great. So it was just like it was really cool. And I feel like I've had a lot of moments like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think are all part of this thing. Like, how do you end up in the room with these people? Yeah. And you could either say, I don't belong in this room, or this is my place, or whatever. Or, or you could look, I don't know, more deeply as to why the universe has put you there. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and I, I've clearly met a lot fewer famous people than you have, but I have met some. And and at the end of the day, they're all people. And some oh, people right. you form a connection with. Absolutely. And they're, and they're receptive and you just would be friends with them in, in another context. Yeah. And other people are just, you feel you just feel handled or managed the whole time because Absolutely. they have, they have, a, they have a, their... a repertoire of, of tools to keep people at bay, but in a nice way. That just, exactly. They, they smile and nod and they, uh-huh. they're your best friend for about 35 seconds. Yeah. And then, and then you know it. Yeah. You know it. This is never going to be. Yeah. We're never going to be, you know, yeah. playing polo. But you understand, you have to build, you have to have a pseudo armor like that if people are hitting on you all the time. All the time. Yeah. yeah. And so. I don't think you realize that until 
to see a lot of that yeah, going on. Yeah, yeah. but you know, it's like you can't take it personally because no. I mean, it's just a constant assault. I mean, yeah. it would be really hard to not be able to walk down the street. That oh, would yeah. make me an ins- that would make me nuts. I know. And then people—that's their people's goal, which is funny. And then it happens, and then they just want to hide. So that's like a whole wonder wild thing. Yeah. I, the best thing that my career working with celebrities—if I had to like have any life lesson from it—is that like, you know, the whole grass is always greener thing. And you know, it's like I, I say it in the book, but like, um, you know, we all think grass—you know—the grass is greener. Sure. And I've the privilege of my career—I've seen some fantastic lawns and sure. insides of planes and things yeah. and things I thought I'd never see and it's it's cliche but it's true it starts here like you gotta love you and your life for what it is in that moment otherwise everyone's grass is gonna be yeah. and I think that's why I've had longevity in my business too because I don't covet mm-hmm. I don't covet their lives there's certain things I'm like wow I would love that pool or I would love yeah. that you know the, what a view of Central Park from your living room while you drink or coffee or it would be nice to not have to go through customs and baggage claims absolutely absolutely <laughs> um, but I think you know um, for me I'd had to start it's had to start here and then and then you're able to kind of create and it go in and out of all these different lives which is what I really love the most about my job yeah yeah it seems <laughs> yeah. like it so wh- when was the transition because I get that this sort of whatever call it retro or kitsch or even though those can I guess be sort of pejorative that's not how I mean yeah. it, but that you know this this kitty comfort food angle um, you but you alluded to a particular way that you presented the grilled cheeses at this one yeah. party so what I'm interested in is because clearly there was some um, even early on there mm-hmm. was some kind of sophistication at work mm-hmm. um, the dishes you describe don't necessarily like communicate that so I'm curious like how yeah. is it that you were able to crush this over and over again yeah. and build the rep because that information I didn't find that's what I was most interested in like Got clearly it. you're doing something with this yep. that other, other people aren't yep um, one person is responsible for that and his name is Daniel Matrochi mm-hmm. and so I didn't want to be in food. I didn't even think food wasn't even on my radar. Mm-hmm. You know, in 1997, when I graduated college, it wasn't a, it wasn't a sexy thing to get into food. You right. either, like, got into food because you were, like, on parole and you had to learn right. how to cook or something. Well, like, it's I like what like, you said. Catering is what aspiring actors did because you could make it to shows. Because you could make it to shows. Yeah. You could do it, you know, at night. And, and so, and that's exactly how I ended up in a catering office. It was mm-hmm. a temp job. I was going to do that during the day. I was going to go to auditions. I was going to be able to run around. I had flexibility. And it took me all of, and so I, I get this job. It was an ad in the New York Times um, for a, a company called DM Cuisine mm-hmm. down in the East Village, 5th Street, between 1st and 2nd Avenue. And I get this job as a catering sales rep to bring business to um, this this gentleman, Daniel Matrochi's business. And he was the consummate chef professional, mm-hmm. trained in Paris in pastry and worked at the plaza and beyond incredible pedigree of culinary and his clients at the time were the best of the best they mm-hmm. were the um i mean martha stewart was a client of his mm-hmm. like, i used to joke martha stewart hires caterers yeah. um but he had a beautiful upper east side polished up sophisticated clientele mm-hmm. um so much that i didn't know anything about the rules of high society catering or anything like that and so i learned so much from him right. about that and, but it took me, as I took this job as like a, this was a stopping off point sure. in my career. Until I was going Until I got famous. Because yeah. that was going to happen like in a month. Clearly. Clearly yeah. a month. <laughs> you know, that's that's usually the amount of time one needs. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. And I um, I was there for about a month when I realized it was like a ding ding to me. And I was like, no, no, wait a minute. This is theatrics. This is food and gathering, which I did come, it, was, it came from that. That sure. was how we grew up. That's where we were most happy when we were feeding and entertaining my grandmother had a hotel in Montauk, which comes in later. Um, and so it kind of all came together for me. And it became like a dream that I didn't wish for. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I, watching him take such pride in what he did and the level of attention and professionals. I mean, he was tough. He was yeah. tough on me. Um, yeah, he made me work. And I yeah. never really worked. Like, that was work. Um, made me realize that this is what I wanted to be when mm-hmm. I grew up. Mm-hmm. So I learned the sophistication from him. Mm-hmm. But I think I had an innate ability to, to communicate with all types of people. So I think the communication that I had with my clients, he was a wonderful cook. Mm-hmm. I don't know 
how much his interpersonal skills. Right. And then when I came to his business, I added that level to right. it. Like your grandmother's parties, where she'd have the plumber and the, the exactly. movie star at exactly. the same table. I'm a, I'm a very much a chameleon. I've been called that, you know, and I, I do. I, I, I see everyone equally, and, and, and it works for me because that's really how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> and I like everyone from the dry cleaner to the Oscar winner yeah. interests me. And yeah. so, and so yeah. this um, being able to bridge that gap for him and helping him grow his business tremendously um, through one press kit that I sent out, um, we attained Christie's Auction House as a mm-hmm. client, which yeah. was a total Hail Mary. Like, I just quit. I was leaving, and I got my master's in fine catering uh-huh. during those three years I ran that account, or two and a half years I ran that account, and committed myself that this is what I was going to be, but I wasn't going to be a silver tray, everything perfect French pastry, high society caterer. Right. I was going to be me mm-hmm. and try to bring the etiquette of high high end catering, yeah. but with my voice of my food and my thing. So um, it was whimsical food. I, I swore off silver trays. I swore right. off certain things. <clears throat> Um, that I wouldn't serve anymore because that wasn't me. That was Daniel. That was him, right. and he deserved that. Those were his things. This was going to be my thing, mm-hmm. and um, and it was very hard to leave him. I have a chapter about that um, because I, I owe everything to him. He mm-hmm. he he made me grow up yeah. and and realize a dream that I never would have realized had he have not taken the time to, you know, see me um, th- into it or walk me into it. Um, so it was, it was an apprenticeship. It was, it was. And, um, and yeah, so, so I did, I think, I don't know if I, that was a really long way of answering your question, no, but I think well, it was just like, curious, like, yeah, but how, like in terms of execution, in terms of presentation, what yeah. did you use instead of silver trays? Yeah. So, so, um, I, I, I had a lucite thing for a while. I mm-hmm. got very excited about the, the cleanliness of lucite and how it shined. And then you'd put a simple piece of food on something. And so that was, I, and then I, I went out and bought all these colorful ceramic trays mm-hmm. And then started to really work on this concept of being like the incredible shrinking of woman of food and how a tiny burger is cute if you think, but no, let's fresh bake an actual tiny burger bun. And I, you know, talked to my chef about that. Like, let's make it look as clean and beautiful as a smoked salmon canapé would look. Right. But it's just a cheeseburger. Right. But it but just let's happens make to be it, tiny. But so it has it... to be tiny and let's make it and let's put those three levels of let's put a Fontina cheese and let like, you know, or it could just be a little grilled cheese, but no, let's put black truffle honey. And so I, I infused a little bit of that elegance mm-hmm. into like, it's a grilled cheese sandwich. So the people either chose to see it as, no, this is a chic way to serve it or, or it's just a grilled cheese sandwich. But either right. way, I'm happy. Right. And who doesn't like grilled cheese? Right. <laughs> so you go for the hits. Yeah. And did it evolve over time? I mean, obviously your client list grew and the ambitious, like the scale, I'm sure the scale of the events got a lot yeah. more complicated and a lot more people. So mm-hmm. so was there a particular sort of... And it started word of mouth. So when I left Daniel, one thing that was important to me since he had been so good to me, even though Christie's was technically mine, you know, mm-hmm. I brought it and I lived there and I gave them my uterus yeah. <laughs> um, um, it was important to me that I kept that his I mean again I wasn't going to leave I was leaving anyway yeah. and I knew that was going to maybe hurt in some way and I was like you know what I want to I got to build from the ground up and I have to like do what I can a friend of mine fortuitously or is that the right word but got a job at the, for the Tribeca Film Festival mm-hmm. got charged didn't know what he was got in charge of uh, hiring a caterer do 15 parties in one week for the wow. Tribeca Film Festival. Damn. And he called me. He's like, listen, you really want to do this? Yeah. I told him, I'm like, I want to start my own business. He's like, you really want to start your own business? And I was like, yep. And he's like, let's do it. He's like, 15 parties. I had no idea how. I didn't know how, where, why. I was didn't have a kitchen. I didn't have... So um, How much notice did you have for that? I had about two and a half weeks. I remember it was like how March. Did you even staff March up in that time? something. I got the... Um, a One of my old uh, chefs that Daniel had let go, mm-hmm. was living in Connecticut, called him, and I said, listen, you know, I need a chef. You know, I know you know quantities. I know you know how to execute. Um, would you be on for, because it was like everything from like a pet, like a leaving a cheese board somewhere for like a green room yeah. to like a very, like to a buttoned up, like premier catered event. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, all right, he's good for the, for the catered events that I need like the little tiny hors d'oeuvres. Cheese platters, I got that. I, you know, 
very quickly learned how to navigate Costco and and all the stores and, yeah. and the gourmet stores and how you you know setting up whole you know wholesale accounts and all that stuff. So then I did that trays. I was like, okay. I remember I was um, at a Target in I think I want to say where the hell was I? Out on Long Island. It was like mm-hmm. hot pot or something. And I bought these pastel. They're still in my office. I bought six pastel kind of um, what is it? resin trays uh-huh. and I was like that's cool we're gonna use those and and I just sort of pieced it together and then a waiter uh, that you know because they're all freelance um, a lot sure. of the waiters who would just I had a really close relationship with he's like I'll book your staff for you and I was like great so Peter became my waiter Paul that was Paul and the, I did Peter and Paul no Mary and I was the Mary yeah there you go um, started with Peter started with Paul then it was Peter mm-hmm. and um, yeah and just like just took that you know week of events as like is this really what I want to commit to mm-hmm. and I nailed it because I just job training yeah I was on the job training and I loved it and it was like I didn't sleep and uh, my husband didn't like jumped in my husband was working in real estate and then jumped in and then that's when we really realized that we might have been onto something because from that just from those 15 parties so and so called for this premiere it's just it was a great audience mm-hmm. And all of my business was word of mouth in the beginning. Yeah. One party led to another party, and that party led to two parties. And you, and so, um, so I was lucky. I yeah. was very lucky. Um, well, but you make lucky, your own, and you I worked my ass off. Be, you, <laughs> you make your own luck by working yeah. your ass off, but also, but like, but like what you were saying, by being in a particular place when you meet somebody either important or somebody who could be important to you. Yeah. When you present to that person, and you can look them in the eye and say, "Oh, I'm I'm ready for this." Yeah. Um, you can't fake that really, no. or some people can, but yeah. it, it all yeah. shakes out eventually. Yeah. And so you make your luck by making yourself ready for the meeting you never know you're about to have. Exactly. That's how I think about That's it. That's exactly it. <laughs> That's totally it. Yeah, I, I spent I spent years training to write the book I ended up writing, but yeah. I didn't know that's what I was doing. Right. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. And then, it, and then you meet the person and things yeah. connect and pow, there you are. This current book, I started writing an, a, an incarnation of it 11 years ago. Wow. And, yeah. and now it's... Well, the great thing about memoirs is the longer you take the write them, the more it's you true. have true. I got more material. Yeah, yeah. That's exciting. <laughs> I know. Now I find myself walking around being like, that could be a story. That could be a story. Well, volume two. Right? Yeah. Oh, it's just your mouth to the publishing God's ears. And so I'm, I'm curious, like, because... The, the food world, obviously, now is, is incredibly um, susceptible to, uh, you know, hot ingredients of the moment yes. and this and that and whatever. Yes. And leads to a lot of very silly, uh, you know, oh, um, yeah. articles and listicles and whatnot. Oh, but yeah. um, I'm curious how, like, over time... So that's... We're talking about r- around the, like, this is the early late, 2000s? Yeah, this is the, the 2000, I would say. And then... Um, the, so the 2000, I started working with Daniel. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was fully, 2005 is when Mary Giuliani set up a shingle. Um, and with, with the March 8th was our first party. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Tribeca Film Festival was in April. And that was right. your question. Well, I, I, was, I hadn't actually finished. Yeah, I, I hadn't put the trigger <laughs> on the question, which is, so. Um, the question was then how, because 2005 was, Oh, wait, the food. Choice. It wasn't exactly the high water mark. I would say probably eight or nine, maybe yep. 10 was the high water mark of yep. like the molecular thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sort of curious how... Um, you obviously have no trouble being you and all the good things have come from you being you, which is a great place mm-hmm. to be. But I'm sort of, I'm interested how, I don't know, you felt like a lot of, you got a lot of requests or you felt pressure to go in a certain direction mm-hmm. or all of a sudden people wanted spherified and foamed things all yep. over the place and, yep. and how you navigated that. Totally. So, um, yes, when I started out, I got by beautifully with my little burgers and my little grilled cheeses yeah. and it was great. Then, because of the nature of the clients that we're dealing with or used to going to the best restaurants yeah, and travel yeah. all over the world. You know, I found myself reading a lot of like travel magazines mm-hmm. and because I would meet with a client and I'm not necessarily very well traveled, um, but I would, you know, meet with a client like who would just very quickly assume and, you know, well, you know, like, you know how they make it at, you know, and name some very fancy, like, you know, the Ritz in Paris, you know how they make it at the Ritz Club or whatever. And I'd be like, yes. And then I'd be like, what do they serve at the Ritz Club? Like, right. Um, so I learned a lot of the fancy things that way, but um, then hits the Atkins situation oh, where yeah. I was chasing bread around parties literally for three years. It was like we'd make things and they'd be in the napkin and, and they'd throw away the top. And so then I'd have to be like, okay, 
what do they like about this food? How do I Atkins this hors d'oeuvre? Mm-hmm. You know, so it was the burgerless, you know, it was the, the, the lettuce cup burger instead of the... So we found those, those routes. Now, then we get into the burst of the celebrity chef. Mm-hmm. And I was not a celebrity chef. I am not a chef for my company. So, you know, um, so I found it important because of the clients I was dealing with to forge relationships with these chefs because what I found out very quickly is there's a restaurant chef and there's a caterer mm-hmm. and they're different beasts. Completely. And if you could do both, you're amazing. And you know, but it's different. And yeah. and the restaurant chef doesn't want to be a caterer. There's a mm-hmm. reason they're a restaurant chef and vice versa. So I started to, um, through the nature of my business partner, Michelle, she came on board and she had really great relationships with Epicurious and Bon Appetit. Mm-hmm. We are actually the Bon Appetit um, the caterer on record for their um, their test kitchen. Mm. We've been there for like three or four years. Cool. And so we started creating these relationships. And then the New York City Food and Wine Festival, we did a lot of back, back catering for them. So by doing that, we started developing relationships with the best chefs, celebrity chefs in right. the world. Right. I have worked with everyone from Jacques Pepin to... Mario Batali mm-hmm. to um, yeah he blurbed my book and then of course you know oh me too everything happened and oh, I was gosh. like really can we can we and of course you know it's all printed and there it is I know I, I have like, the same wow, thing my first book the cocktail bar but you know what I have so much to say about that um, sure. <laughs> well, feel free I'm um, interested but so then what I ended up having well this will lead very naturally to a Mario story we started becoming their ghosts we were ghosts there um, they they be you know Jack Pepin you know would come into town and have to do a party for Bon Appetit magazine or Vogue or Condé Nast and we would cater it work mm-hmm. with him and or his chefs and or sometimes recipes just sent over and they had I have a obviously a very skilled chef yes and um, so we started I started having these relationships with these chefs that they loved they had the peace of mind knowing using my catering company um, they could say yes to things and they'd show up and their food would be the way they'd want it. And, and so I was then able to offer my clients, I know you like me and I know you like my grilled cheese and yeah. I know you like that a lot, but you're probably sick of me. You've been with me for seven years. Right. And especially, especially corporate clients, which is the majority of my business. Mm-hmm. I know you have a new set of people you're wanting to entertain and you want to wow them. And so I can get you Missy Robbins, I could get you April Bloomfield, I could get you Mario Batali. And so we started offering that in addition. So that's how we sort of stayed relevant. So your company's executing at the ground level. Exactly. But they're executing a menu and a concept. And a concept with, and sometimes the chef is actually comes and cooks, you know, it's, it's, we don't don't do everything, but we, we'd gotten it to a safe enough place that, um, they, we developed a very good reputation to do these types of events for, you know, they could say yes to things. And so that was a really nice way for us to stay relevant too. Like mm-hmm. I was not a celebrity chef, right. but I could get you them. Right. And so then that as a catering almost bonus, we started to offer. And shortly into doing this, um, I got seated at a food bank benefit next to Mario Batali. Mm-hmm. And we all love him. I mean, he in the 90s, there was no one bigger than Mario. I mean, he paved the way. Absolutely. I mean, it makes me sad to this day to see get there but um, he so I was seated next to him and his my my best friend is a charity auctioneer for Christie's and she's up there and she's um, his dinner his lot is up dinner for 10 people he'll come to your home and cook the dinner and um, it was going for I think the number was at um, $60,000 and it's going up it's going up and Mm. you know and I'm like, and he could see that I'm like, all, oh, and I was like, wow. And he's like, no, who, what's your name? I said, Mary, Mary Giuliani. Yeah. And he said, the caterer. And wow. I was like, Mario Batali knows me. Because I had been in business for like eight or nine years at yeah, that point. Yeah, sure. And a lot of, you know, clients that he knew. Yeah. And, um, and he's like, you know what? Just like right, without instinctually thinking, he goes, he goes, I could say yes to a lot more of these if I had someone to do them for me or wow. with me. Talk and about I was right like, place, right time, right? I was like, done. Yeah. Literally, give me your thing. Puts, I put my phone, I put my thing in his thing. Pam Louie from his office called me that Monday and said, 
let's have a meeting. Mario wants to sit up. And so we started this Mario by Mary catering collaboration, mm-hmm. which was if you wanted his the Batali experience outside the restaurant or for a catered event, we would do it for you. Wow. And it was mostly charity, yeah. and which is wonderful and great. And um, And then, yeah, and then our pal... A little. Well, did you? I'm curious. Did you have any sense? I mean, obviously, he had a reputation for this debauched yeah. existence, yeah. but most people outside of the business didn't have any idea of the really sordid, gross details. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I I wasn't around for like the things that I again. You I weren't was there also, at four a.m. I was also a fairly. I was sometimes there. I was sometimes yeah. there late. Um, my experience was. Um, there's a lot of blurred lines in, in our industry and it was a lot of drinking and a lot of that kind of stuff. And, um, and, but for as, as far as the people he mentored and the impact that he made on our industry, I think that needs to be acknowledged and still, and it's, and I don't know, it's, it's, it's sad. It's, I get angry. I understand. And I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted. I think I'm a pro I spent all last year, um, not, not processing, but I guess it was processing. Um, because one day I would be really, like, I felt like a friend had died. Yeah. And then another day I'd be angry. And I was like, yeah, of course. And then the next day I'd be like, no, they don't understand. And so, I don't know. I think very few people are all the way good or all the way evil. And if you know anybody closely and have a fondness for them, it's always complex. It's hard. It's hard. How was your relationship with I him? I never met him. Oh, no, no I mean, just... no, Zach, Zach knew him, and Jory had worked for him. Yeah. Um, so she had a huge fondness for him, and I had a similar, I think, reaction to yeah. yours, which a was lot of multi-level, multi-level and layered and shifted a lot because yeah. there was a lot of legitimate anger, but also some legitimate you know, affection and, and a sense of betrayal and all sorts of other stuff mixed in. Yeah. Um, so I never met him. I was so thrilled that he blurred the book. He couldn't have been nicer. He says that, you know... I, I'm from Concord, Massachusetts, and he said that my writing reminded him of Thoreau. Wow. And I learned to swim in Walden Pond. Wow. So he unknowingly wrote about the nicest blurb that anybody could have written. Yeah. And at the time, he was still, you know, the, the very top. He yeah. was, like you said. And and so I went from being really elated and so excited that we had landed this. You know, I mean, Sean Brock and uh, April Bloomfield and a bunch of other people yeah. also wrote, but he was definitely the big get. Yeah. And... Um, so I, you know, I was just pissed off and disappointed, and you know, I know. but it, it's not like I had any, you know. No, but if you, if you, if, if you, again, and by no means am I trying to diminish the the hurt or whatever that the people have felt, but if you put, if you just think about, like, I saw so many good things that he did for others like that, mm-hmm. and like I know he really read your whatever he said he meant mm-hmm. he never said anything and if he didn't like you he didn't like your writing he didn't like you you would not have gotten that it was very genuine in in that and i never saw someone who enjoyed helping others for no gain whatsoever more than him yeah. it was like oh i can help you with that and yeah. you're talented and i see how hard you work and i see what you do i can help you yeah and i think there's a that's how he built the company that he did sure. um, to the level that it was and i think that's why all of them that are there or have left or are still there, they're all still sort of like, it's it's it was it's tough. Yeah, it's and, tough. but I mean, this is this is why everything from like Shakespeare to The Sopranos has lasted and influenced as much as it has because nobody, no no bad guy thinks he's a bad guy. Sure, sure. Right, and so by day you can be altruistic and raise millions for charity and mentor all these people, and then at night you're a monstrous sex predator, and you can be both of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> On to the next. <laughs> hey, man, it's hard to be human. It is. You know, you know they learned. say some of the biggest uh, sinner, uh, saints were sinners. So, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, but it's interesting I, to I'm happy, because... though. I am happy that the conversation's being had, and I'm happy that things are changing. Yeah, it's and over. I am it's happy. so overdue. But across every board. Like, yeah. you know, I used to, you know, the beginning, I was like, I think no one gets into the restaurant business to be polite. Like, we know what it is. Yeah. It's not... You know, um, but that's not to say that we didn't need, you know, some drastic changes to be, you know, in all industries. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I am glad to see, um, I mean, every day I read something that makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah. That things are shifting, that the demographics in kitchens and in editorial staff and in writing staff and, you know, it's, 
people are calling bullshit. Yeah. And instead of just being pushed down and ignored, it's actually starting to change. Yeah. And you're starting to see writers and editors and uh, CDCs and everybody up and down the chain. Is, it's starting to just look a little bit more the way we all look as a country. Right. Like the new, in, the incoming Democratic majority in mm-hmm. the House looks like America. Yeah. You know? And it's yeah. about fucking time. About time is right. About <laughs> and, time. And I, but it's, so it's really heartening for me to see that happening in this industry that I'm at least, you know, ancillary yeah. to, you know, covering or do whatever the hell it is that I do now. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but it, it, it's nice because there's more good news than bad in this particular sector. Yes. Like just in terms of hearing voices that weren't traditionally given any attention at all. Yeah. And seeing them really start to... to, to get legitimate gigs and, and powerful gigs. Yeah. It's great. It makes yeah. me super happy. Me too. Me too. And I have to say the the Giuliani, you know, Batali thing, you know, over the last year for me only really made me actually, um, and I think it's, it's as women too, we acquiesce, we sort of, you know, um, it only made me actually really take stock. Like, no, it's not this last name that you either love me or hate me for. It's yeah. not this very very respected at the t- you know the, the biggest name in in the culinary world that kind of tapped me a little bit on the shoulder it's because i i'm worked really hard and i believe in me and this is my business and mm-hmm. this is my life and it almost made me be like no no, no it's, this is me it has nothing to do with if mario liked me or not if you know I'm not really getting well, it out in the way. Fun. First of all, it's fine but that like, he liked you. It's also great that he recognized your ability to connect dots that he couldn't connect. That was it. So that's when, when people were like, you know, are you... I said, no, because I... This was my business. This was my baby. And he. the only reason I knew him was because I had worked so hard to get to the point to meet someone of his stature at yeah, the time. absolutely. And I'm really proud of that. And I'm really proud of the business that I have as a woman-run business and that... Um, so it kind of, all this, what it gave me just was more of like a voice to say, to claim mm-hmm. my success or my, as opposed to just saying, oh, no shucks no, you or fully, whatever. Yeah, no, you, it's you, like, it's, no, it I, makes all I the did difference. this. You fully deserve it. I did you this. built it. You got yeah. there. <laughs> you got there. And it's all about, yeah, it's, it's exactly being ready for that meeting. And you don't know who it's going to be or when it's going to happen. Right. But I, it's happened to me a few times in my life where I've looked someone in the eye and say, I am so perfect for this thing that you are describing right. and I will crush this right into the cheap seats yeah totally yeah and they know you're telling the truth and then you do it and you do it yeah so yeah, yeah that's exciting so what's um so what shape I mean that obviously has sort of gone by the wayside yeah. but you obviously have lots of other things going on yeah what's um What's the sort of, well, talk to me a little bit about the, I guess, the integration of these, the new businesses here in Woodstock with the, yeah, the are well, they separate? Or are also, they inter- no, it's separate. They, those are truly and dearly. So my husband, my, my lovely, wonderful husband, Ryan, he started this dream with me. Mm-hmm. This was kind of Mary's dream, the catering business. Mm-hmm. This was going to be, you know, I was the one who had worked in it prior. I was the one who knew I was good at it and was good at it. And so he was incredibly kind to support me, he ran the company um, with me side by side. It helped, you know. I think we stayed in business because of his guidance and the ways. But you, like anything in a marriage, and you reach a time where um, you have to look at each other and be honest about, like, are we business partners or are we husband and wife? Right. And I think we came to that realization that we really wanted to, thankfully, be husband and wife. Mm-hmm. And so he has always had aspirations of hotel and and having a restaurant okay i love my catering little situation i love my writing i love so we um five years ago made the shift where he left sort of the day-to-day of the catering operation and came Mm -hmm. up here full-time we'd we'd have had a house up here for 15 years same house yeah no two okay one was a cute little house on wittenberg and then now we're um but we um so then he came up here and first with shindig um, and then the hotel um, was sort of just these little beautiful um, but dilapidated um, little uh, cottages mm-hmm. um, down a path. Um, yeah. And first we were just going to restore them and, you know, Airbnb them or whatever. Yeah. And then the energy in there is so beautiful and so great. And there's a la- there was a lack of um, 
places to stay here. Well, at the time, there was really just the Dillon, because the lodge, I guess, has subsequently been yeah. fixed up. But at and, the time, there was really just the Dillon. And the Dillon, and Paul at the Dillon was amazing to us, too. You know, that's someone like, I feel like when successful people are genuinely, like, and good people, like, I, he was one of the first people that reached out, was like, right on, do it. Like, we need more stuff. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't like, you're going to be competition. And it was really lovely. I, I'm very grateful for our relationship with Paul. Well, the rising um, tide thing. And yeah. I, I've... It doesn't matter what the business is. I firmly believe that success is not a finite resource. Yes, yeah. it's, it's not a zero sum game. Yeah, you know, you're the people who think that way. They'd... I'm not going to name any names, but mm-hmm. the people who think that their success is predicated on other people's failure are are bad people. Agreed. Agreed. And you stay away from them. Yeah. And you do, and it's taken you know you, it's taken me a really long time to feel very much like I have this great force field around me of positivity mm-hmm. and uh, pride in what we've done. Um, but no, it wasn't great to battle the town and have my name thrown around. It just, but you know what? Again, their bag, not mine. And I know we set out to do something that would enhance and be respectful of this area that we fell in love with, that we are possibly raising our daughter in Mm where, you know, we're deciding, making that decision right now. I have a three Mm -hmm. and a half year old daughter. I don't want to ruin this place. Right. I, we don't want to ruin this place, you know, so... But, but it's... Um, the, look, it's it's a touristy town, right? Yeah. You're always going to have people trudging around and not looking when they cross the street right. and making my, you know, drive through town annoying on a Saturday. But at the end of the day, we live very close to some towns that are ghost towns on weekends. Right. And we're not. Right. And so, you know, you have to take some of the bad with the good in that regard, but the simple truth is that this town is not going to die. Right. It's going to be able to continue to, to traffic in its name and its reputation. Yeah. And Birdcliff might actually continue to survive. Right. And all sorts of other stuff will happen. Right. Because there's a, a real economic base for yeah. these businesses. And tourists can come and stay somewhere cool and walk up the road and around the corner and eat something good. Yeah. And, and drop money everywhere they yeah, go. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it all trickles down. And we wear the work together. And I have to say, there's a lot of great businesses that, Buddhist business owners that, um, I've, we've felt tremendous support of at times when I think it was hard for them to support the, the, the Giuliani Halliburton, you know, ruiners of Halliburton. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, they were built, so they were rebuilding the tannery wall, mm-hmm. um, to actually exactly the original. Mm-hmm. And that takes, that's, that took more time than just saying, ah, put a wall up. Right. There's so many little details there that right. they really cared about what they were sure. doing and course got lost in the whole thing but it was really funny as we were being you know painted as these it's a hard thing to read something about yourself that it's not you which Mm -hmm. i you know it's it's, which is interesting which is kind of what they went through and i went through so as we're getting this giuliani halliburton thing they're building this wall in the center of town and we just used to like laugh like oh my god the giuliani halliburtons are building a wall in woodstock (laughs) but now it is a beautifully received wall, I think. Um, no, people love it. And I, it's, it's, it is, look, it, it, it sits back down. It doesn't tower over anything. No. It doesn't cast a shadow. Yeah. It's, and you've got that incredible it, spot next to the waterfall. I mean, it's so the, nice. I think there's something like 55, don't quote me on this, but because math's never been my strong suit. Yeah. But there's some large number of the plantings that are going in over the next four years. Because mm-hmm. like, you can't, it's very expensive to do it all at once. Yeah. And... That will soon, you won't even be able to see. It's just going to be this little, and it's in, in giving back all this green and stuff. So um, that's great. But the, the one thing I do want to say is there were certain business owners that reached out during that very dark and hard time mm-hmm. that I really, like Rick Orlando reached out out of nowhere. I'd only met him maybe once mm-hmm. and was really awesome and said, like, just, you got this, keep going. Like, there's just, it was really nice. The to get that sort of thing. And that's when I re- that's when I believe in the Woodstock thing. Yeah. And that's when I believe in like we could all exist together and work together. So Yeah, and Rick has always believed in community and he's always believed that that more restaurants I mean look up to a point because it's a finite pie and everyone has to share. Sure. It, right. But when you start adding hotel rooms, mm-hmm. when you add more parking like they did after right. they finally fixed uh, Tinker Street and yeah. um, then it, it, it the pie gets bigger. Yeah. And so it's, 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 I think it's the right attitude to yeah. have. And frankly, the, the, the sitting back and just selling tie-dyed shirts is not, that's not going to, that doesn't have legs. No. You know? it's, it's, I mean, it'll keep a couple yeah. of little places open, but you need to reinvent it. I still want to see it there. Like, oh, it yeah. kind of brings me, like, a nice, like, sense of security. Like, this is still the town, 
but it doesn't have to be on every corner. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't. And it's nice when it's nice when you, people from the city can come up and get uh, and have an experience that is appropriately rural, right? But still, sort of meets their standards for comfort or quality or whatever else, yeah. because you know the the. <laughs> I feel like the, the first generation who came up here, the counterculture, right, mm-hmm. who were here in the heyday, um, they were, you know, there was a back to the land aspect to right. it. But in a lot of cases, I think those were people who were moving away from something. Right. They were getting away from the man, from the rat race, right. from whatever. And our generation over the last decade or so are people who very specifically are moving towards something Mm -hmm. which is quality of life place to raise your kid right we moved up here when our son was uh, just about two so roughly analogous to where you are you know the ability to run around barefoot as a child i think is really it's important yeah um and clean air and water and you know the city is fantastic but it's not to me it's not a child-friendly place well especially add on top of that this whole phone thing and the woods are a good antidote to that i think so i really do i mean i know for me i need it i need it to just i need the woods so badly that's why i'm here yeah yeah i'm looking at at your beautiful trees (laughs) nice trees but you know the the house i grew up in was actually at the end of a dead end road like this one and so it's got a similar sort of vibe to it in that way yeah and for me yeah just walking out the back door into the woods and continuing to walk for some period of time without really seeing anything human made it's it's pretty great i think that that's sort of leading this charge too like it's easy to say it's like the brooklyn hipsters are coming it's very easy Uh, to generalize and say that they came and they're you know it's what i really think is happening is like-minded conscious people that are saying I, I don't have to live in, you know, there's too much stress in this world anyway. Let me go to a place where I could become a better person from head to toe. Therefore, the world could possibly become a better place from head to toe. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's coming here. I don't think it's the scary hipsters and I, well, I don't There's know. some element to that. There's, it's always going to be of part course, of it. Of course, of course. If you want somebody in, in suspenders and ridiculous facial hair to make right. you a cocktail, that, that, there, there's that options for that. That yeah. option exists in that. many towns. <laughs> But for the most part, yeah, it's people who want a quality of life, yeah, um, and people who have skill and and ambition. Yeah. Uh, for me, coming up here, apart from the fact that my art career ended up morphing into a, a, a writing and food related yeah. career, which would not have happened in this city um, because I was able to have a garden. And but yeah. more than the physical act of having a garden on my property, I had more hours in the day yeah. because I wasn't riding the subway for hours every day, and right. I wasn't waiting in line. And just schlepping my ass up and down to go to meetings or do whatever or earn all the money I needed to live in the city. Right. That's a whole other big part of the You know? And so, yeah, it's great. And the the potential for climbing, right? You and I both made careers um, in the city on the basis of our talent and the people we bumped into. But you also then have to work so much harder just to stay in the same place. Absolutely. And you come up here and all of a sudden, you know, it's just a little easier. And you never have to, like, you always find a parking space and you never wait in line. And those sound small, but if, like, if you live in a big city, it's a big deal. It's a lot of your life. Oh, yeah. I just got more done up here. Yeah. It's funny. So I, um, you know, thankfully, the catering business is still, you know, it's still my baby and it's still running and it's still, and I have incredible partners and we're still continuing you know we've had the celebrity chefs then we moved into now you know everyone's eating paleo-ish and also all these lovely things ayurvedically and and i'm finding ayurvedic way ways to make cauliflower tacos and mm-hmm. you know we're just we're adjusting the ingredients more plant-based yeah. but still fun and so so i'm really grateful that the business is still cranking and yeah. it's there, and, um, and my is heart, it now my heart is still there. Are you still like at every meeting, or do you? Know no, no, you no. Have... Thankfully, thankfully, I mean, I'm I'm involved um, to ke- to keep lending the heart and the creativity, yeah. the marketing, the PR, all that good stuff, um, and you know, be in there on a you know, not daily basis, but close to daily basis, even mm-hmm. you know. But it's so um, in the city five days a week and come up on. Uh, it's weird. No, some forth. days it's three, some days it's two, some days it's seven. Mm. Um, my husband's mostly based here, so yeah. I do like a little bit back of a fourth shift. 
Um, but and your daughter, I, daughter's with you or with him? Me. With you. Yeah. And what I do say, um, which is interesting at the end of the book, I end it with saying, you know, like I love my business, and but I do have this dream of just one day saying goodbye to all of it and having all I want is a flower shop in the front. Yes, yeah. And a bar in the back. Right. <laughs> right. Ten seat bar. Right. And you talk about flowers like, in the day. There's an open and close sign. It's open the only and close thing sign. My think. my day to only be controlled by a sign that says open and closed. Right. Uh, it's not. You know. It's funny. Sometimes your trajectory is like I want 17 catering companies and I want to be this. I want to get to a point where it's okay to just have a small little. Yeah. Flower shop yeah. slash bar. And so what's the, what's the, cause you're, you're making the determination now cause she's going to be what kindergarten age in a year or two. Yeah. Um, what's the kind of calculus? Cause this doesn't sound like a business that would be easy for you to sell since you are so integral. No, I'd to have it. to be, I mean, I'd have to be around for a bit more and I'm not ready yet. I'm also not ready yet. Yeah. I, I still love it. Like I still love the game mm-hmm. and I still love, so this, this is a daily conversation that we have yeah, that changes. Sure. I mean, I was here. Um, I've been here for the last 10 days mm-hmm. and I've completely, you know, I'm not going back. We're going here. She's going to Woodstock Day School. Like, I, you know, it's just, um, and then I'll go back on Tuesday and I'll be like, you know, I can't live without this city. Yeah. It feeds yeah. me, you know, in the same way the trees feed me. So I'm not sure yet. We'll have to, we'll have to meet back in a year from now. Yeah, And, sure. um, and I'll well, tell you, you where have, we you landed. You don't have to commit yet. I mean, obviously the school thing becomes yeah, real, but, that's but that's, you still things. have a little time I still have some time. I still have some time. And that only makes me want to um, tr- treasure this, like this next year and a half with her too. I, I um, Yeah, you don't get it back, I can tell you, because my kid's like taller than I am now. I know, it's, it's crazy. And it happens in a second. Grunt. I found myself... Because of this book being named Tiny Hot Dogs, and because of my love of the hot dog, right? Um, there was an Oscar Mayer. There is an ongoing contest right now for the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile. It is a twenty-seven foot long car yeah. shaped like a hot dog. Yeah. There's a contest right now for six driving positions available, and I can't tell you. This came out like two weeks ago, and. 15 people sent it to me and they like, were like, like you Mary, should, you should enter this, this is your thing. Yeah. Sure enough, I found myself emailing subject, New York City caterer to the stars um, and author of Tiny Hot Dogs seeks Wienermobile driving position. And I'm sitting there and I'm writing this thing and I, I honestly, it, I let myself for a minute fantasize about having my daughter who is at this precious age where yeah. like, I know it's going to go away and I know it's like, and, and just, and my husband who's been back and forth and we haven't been together as a family like we used to be. Yeah. Um, and the three of us just driving off in a hot dog for a year. I like and it. that sounded really peaceful to me. Can you sleep in the hot dog? <laughs> you can. You I can. think you can. I think, like it sleeps, I think it sleeps four. <laughs> That's perfect. So we'll see. You never know. I might be able to. That's uh, great. To it's just this. like slap a peace sign on the front of it, and it would be so like great. It would be about as good as it gets. <laughs> It'd be your mini, your your VW microbus, but updated exactly. for your particular. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I'll send you some. There's notes. a book in that. I think so. There, there one, might at be least one hell of there an Instagram feed. <laughs> right. <laughs> I like it. That's oh. funny. Yeah, I am. Uh, hot dogs are. It's funny. I hot dogs were a thing. My mom. Only would get those if she was having like a summer yep. cookout party, yeah. right? So otherwise, there were no hot dogs. Sure. Um, and it was always a really big deal. Yeah. When there were a few left over from one of these cookouts. Oh, yeah. You know? And um, my grandfather, every now and then I would stay with them if she was out of town working. And he would make me what he, and he would call it a Frankfurt, you know? <laughs> and it was just, and they were, it was bigger and fatter, right? Yeah. So, because it wasn't, um, it wasn't like a little skinny sheep casing it was more of a pig a hog casing yep. so it was like fat sausage size and he would boil it and put it on a plate with nothing oh yeah and you just eat it with a fork and knife yep so that was yes. i was sort of like on the one hand it tastes like a hot dog on but the other hand scary. the skin is it really weird thick and yeah kind of that's, me out. yeah and then there was it wasn't even like mustard or anything yeah, so no. that was a little weird yeah but then i remember when i was when i was old enough to start going to the city by myself so i would take the train down from boston with some friends or whatever and i was going to art you know going to museums and yeah. things and i remember this buddy of mine we walked from moma on 53rd up to the met on the upper east side and we we challenged ourselves to stop and buy a hot dog from every cart that we passed on that walk 
Because we were so great. We were growing teenage boys. Oh yeah. And there was no limit to the oh, amount yeah, of hot of course. dogs. So we ate I think it was some it was seven or eight hot dogs on yeah. this one walk up to the museum. <laughs> that's great. It's kinda awesome. And at the time they were what? Like that's maybe so, a buck each oh, or something? Yeah, I mean, even, maybe, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. So it's a it's a it's a powerful thing, man. It is. And they taste really good. They taste really good. And it's a tiny hot dogs, the title of this book. Um, everyone's like, what does that mean? And I'm like, oh, read it. You'll find out. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it basically, you know, is my way of kind of detail, like, charting my journey of being this Italian girl going to 178 bar and bat mitzvahs growing up, feeling so on the outside. And the only friend that I made at these things was this tray of buttery, shiny, salty hot dogs. And here I am. So, you know, my childhood, I always felt like I was a little bit on the outside looking in. Mm -hmm. And then fast forward to my career, where I'm still the girl with the tray of hot dogs, looking in and watching all these fabulous people live their lives. But this time, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with just being the girl with the hot dogs. that's great. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you. Oh my gosh, was that? Yeah, it was perfect. It was perfect. Okay, good. Great. Mary Giuliani, marygiuliani.com, Mary underscore Giuliani on the gram. I'm cookblog on Instagram, cookpod.net, theme music by my son Milo Barrett, smilob.com. And remember everybody, the most delicious, lavishly catered food you ever ate in your life still ended up in the toilet. Mm -hmm.